You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all, we have a crossover episode. It is Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes and Asher Lowe of Locked On Badgers here for a crossover episode, breaking down the Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Wisconsin Badgers. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Asher, I'm excited to be on the show with you here, man. It's always nice doing crossover episodes. And we have a big game tonight. Uh, It is going to be an interesting game, Iowa versus Wisconsin, a game that Iowa has hasn't done that well in Madison in quite some time. So I want to get your thoughts on this game. We're going to be breaking all of that stuff down. But first off, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, and I'm excited for the Rock Auto jingle. Uh, I don't know if you know about the Rock Auto jingle, but we'll get into that maybe later in the show. You and Ben, man. You and Ben with that Rock Auto jingle. Yeah, it's, it was Ben's first, but I've completely stolen it and adopted it. It's a very fun way to promote rockauto.com. But, yeah, uh, I'm excited for this game. <laughs> I think that Wisconsin will play a better 40 minutes than, or at least a better 20 minutes in the second half than we saw this weekend against Michigan. And I think that there's reason for some optimism about this game specifically. I'm still at a high level of concern when it comes to Wisconsin basketball as a whole, but we'll get into that. Yeah. I mean, I I think I could probably echo your concerns from an Iowa side. Uh, I think the expectations for both Iowa and Wisconsin were quite high coming into the season. I think we talked about it and you thought it was Wisconsin or Illinois could really be the favorite to win the Big Ten. Um, You thought Iowa was probably second or third. I thought Iowa could be the favorite to win the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan kind of, in my opinion, kind of came out of nowhere. Wasn't really expecting them to be here or Ohio State. I knew both those teams would be good, but wasn't expecting them to be where they are. But here we are, Iowa fresh off a four losing four out of five games, finally won the last two. They're kind of back on track, but they might not have CJ Frederick, which has been really the, the, the key issue with the Iowa basketball team and their losing streak or their, you know, amounting losses the last couple of weeks has been the lack of CJ Frederick from a Wisconsin Badger perspective. Do you have any concerns about this Iowa offense without CJ Frederick? Oh yeah. Oh, tons. That's, that's the area of the court, right? When you're playing Iowa, you're going to be a little concerned. Uh, Jordan Bahannon, I know that he might not have had, he might, maybe he doesn't have the greatest year, but it's a pretty good history against Wisconsin. It's a little personal form. You know, we didn't give him $200 in a McDonald's bag or whatever, or $20,000 in a McDonald's yeah. bag in cash uh, that he wanted to come to Wisconsin. We didn't even offer him. And I don't know why there was some Wisconsin like writers trying to go back at him for that, saying it was some slight at Wisconsin. I, I thought it was hilarious. I don't think it so was weird. slight at Wisconsin at all. He wanted to go to Wisconsin. He loves know, Wisconsin. Yeah, I didn't understand what they were trying to say about that. And he had some funny clapbacks on Twitter at writers who will go unnamed. But I enjoyed that little back and forth. He's a good guy. And he always complains about the Iowa Parking Authority as well, which I'm sure you've probably <laughs> talked about once or twice on this show. So he's a funny Twitter personality. But I'm always worried about him just because of what he does against Wisconsin historically. And then it's the big two, right? It's Garza one, Wieskamp two, that are the guys. And Keegan Murray's come on as well. I like what he's done. The biggest surprise to me offensively, though, I don't need to talk about, you know, why Gars is a problem for Wisconsin. Like, he's a problem yeah. for everybody in the country. And I think he can get 25 and Wisconsin can still win this game because he's going to get uh, 20 against a lot of teams. There's not much you can do about it. The other guy that I was talking about a few, I think it was maybe even before the season or beginning of the season with you. Uh, we were on a couple of crossovers and I was talking about Jack Nungy a little bit and why I didn't think he fit this team well. It was kind of a weird uh, combo with him coming in uh, to, uh, or coming off the bench, I should say, coming into this starting lineup that already has defensive issues and already has a lot of guys that do things that he does, right? I just didn't think it fit very well piecewise. 
but man, he's been good, really good recently. So I'm, I, I'm worried about him and his confidence. He's becoming a really, really solid playmaker, a much better overall scorer uh, right now than he was maybe two months ago. So he's a guy I'm watching as well. Yeah, dude, Jack Dungey has been a guy who's really developed a lot this year. Um, early on in the season, anytime he touched the ball, you kind of held your breath because there just wasn't the basketball IQ you would expect from him, and he wasn't able to hit his shots. But now that he's able to knock down his shots, he's been phenomenal. And you talk about Iowa being weak defense. You were mentioning mostly the offense being strong, but you kind of alluded to the fact that the defense has some issues. But Jack Dungey's actually been one of the guys who – I would say is absolutely bringing it defensively for the Hawkeyes, which will be interesting um, from a Wisconsin perspective. And I want to get into some concerns about the, the offense there. Cause I feel like every time I hop on Twitter, it's either yay, Wisconsin kind of won or wow. Wisconsin just keeps shooting threes and they're not hitting. But before we get to that, how do you defend Luca Garza? Because what's happened the last couple of weeks is teams are double and triple teaming Garza and forcing Iowa to shoot the ball. And we've seen that work. Indiana, for example, twice. We've also seen it just blow up in people's faces. Michigan State, Tom Izzo. What do you expect you know, Wisconsin to do in terms of guarding Luka Garza if C.J. Frederick is not here? I don't expect Wisconsin to bring doubles. I don't expect drag guard to constantly force Iowa to beat you from the perimeter. And I also think it's the wrong move. It might work sometimes, but I think that letting Garza not go off, but letting Garza get his, right, Hopefully inefficiently, that's I guess what you can hope for most is that, yeah, he's getting 20, but it's an inefficient 20, is a better move than allowing all of these Iowa shooters, because there are so many uh, Iowa shooters, to beat you with wide open, top of the key wing, three-point shots. And Luka Garza can handle a double team. I mean, he's, yeah. not, he, he's not right, Micah Potter when you double him. He, <laughs> he can handle a double team. I love Micah, but not, not his strong suit over the last – few weeks you've seen teams throw that at him so i'd be surprised to see or i'd be surprised to see iowa throw that at him but we'll see it's worked against him will it work against luka garza i don't think so will greg Gard do it i don't think so because we trust perimeter defense at wisconsin right if your perimeter defense isn't playing at a high level then wisconsin basketball is just not wisconsin basketball and that's actually been the times where they've looked the worst this year is when the guards are beating you of another team just beating down on these perimeter defenders that in davis and trice right davis guys that are overall solid defenders and have been in, in Davidson and Trice's case throughout their college careers. But it's when that side of the defense struggles, in my opinion, at least on that end, when Wisconsin has had real issues. Yeah, definitely an interesting approach, but I can see where that can be valuable because as we saw against Michigan State, when Iowa can shoot and they can shoot pretty well most of the time, regardless of C.J. Frederick being in or out of the lineup, they can really hurt you there. Um, you talked about Micah Potter, and I think that's a really good segment to get into Wisconsin for a second. Um, what's going on? Because, you know, I don't watch every Wisconsin Badger game, but I know that Micah Potter hasn't started the last two games. I know he was expected to be a key contributor. He's still getting between 15 and 18 minutes a night, but it's almost as if uh, Wisconsin Badger Twitter, and I follow a decent amount of you. I'm, you know, lived in Madison for a couple of years. I have some of the yep. friends up there. Yep. Uh, people are very, it's very up and down on Micah Potter. So can you just break down what is going on with him and what do you expect out of him in this game? Well, I'll say this. I'm definitely one of the more up on Micah Potter Wisconsin Twitter people out there. I think that there are a few things when it comes to Micah. And I said a lot of this in the Michigan uh, on literally yesterday's episode. So Badger fans, forgive me if you've heard this on yesterday's <laughs> episode. But I'll say it again because it matters uh, going forward and it matters in this Iowa game. I don't love the platoon thing 
that Michael Potter goes through with Greg Gard and his rotations, essentially it's four minutes in, four minutes out. And Reavers and him just stagger. I'm not saying they have to play together. I'm just saying I don't think a four-minute stretch and then four minutes on the bench suits Michael Potter best or these five, six-minute stretches, these little bursts. He's a very, very rhythm type of guy. Like you can see uh, a lot of the time offensively when he's in rhythm, how much better he looks when he's had more touches, when he's comfortable, how much better he looks. For sometimes he'll look just completely out of sorts on that end. Everything he does offensively is rhythm. Those pick and pop three, those are all about timing and consistency and getting it in the shooter's pocket and, and not second guessing yourself at all when he takes those top of the key threes that are so important for Wisconsin's offense when he's hitting those at a decent clip. When he shoots well from distance, Wisconsin's a much different team than when he shoots at, say, one for five on the three-point line. And he's had up and down moments this year from there. But I don't think the platoon helps him. And I don't think uh, – so his defense is the thing that everyone loves to talk about, right? How, how, how terrible a defender he is and all this stuff. And I think it's become a little bit narrative in terms of I don't think it's as true as people think it is. I think it matters who he's matched up against. Yeah. And I think Luca Garza is a kind of guy where Michael Potter is not going to lock him down because nobody is in the country, really, unless you just completely want to take him out of the game, right, with double teams and say, please beat me, C.J. Frederick. Please beat me, Jordan Bahannon and Joe Wieskamp, which Michigan State kind of did. And guess what happened? Yeah. Uh, they got beat pretty bad. Uh, so with Micah, it's the athletic pick-and-roll bigs that are high flyers, can bring you on the perimeter and dance a little bit, it's the TJDs of the world that really, yeah, he has a problem with, right? And then Kofi is Kofi. So, I mean, I'm not going to really see the whole and, Big Ten is so tough. Like, if you're an average defender, for, yeah. for Kofi Coburn, like, if you're an average defender as a center in the Big Ten, you're screwed. You're going to look terrible because you're going up against. I mean, dude, if you look at the Ken Palm top player ranking, I didn't mean to cut you off either, but it's, it's Trace Jackson Davis, Luca Garza, and then you have uh, Travian Williams. And then you have Hunter Dickinson. And then we're not even taking him. Kofi's not even on that list, and he's a beast. Who, by the way, Hunter Dickinson's a good example of a guy Mike has done really well against for a long portion of that blowout loss. In the first half of that blowout loss a few a few weeks ago, he did a great job against Hunter Dickinson. Why? Because that matchup suits him. Hunter Dickinson doesn't play above the rim. right? He's a classic low-post player. He wants to body you, be strong with you. Those are all Micah Potter's strong suits on defense. Bodying with you in the post single coverage against a solid post score that relies more on skill than athleticism. Those are guys that Micah can do well against. And he's done a pretty good job against Dickinson. Now I'd be wrong to not mention Nate Reavers' name. If we're going to bring up Michael Potter, because I mean, I don't, I don't even know, man, <laughs> just out of sorts. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's wrong, but to me, it looks physical. Like it almost looks like watching Blake Griffin this year on the Pistons, which I don't know if, Anybody listening to this show has watched Blake Griffin at all, but I grew up a huge Blake Griffin fan, right? You're from LA. And exactly. I'm a, I'm a Clipper fan. I grew up a huge Blake fan, Lob City. I'll always have so much love for Blake, right? But this year, it's not Blake's fault in terms of he's not doing anything wrong. His body is just failing him. And Nate Rivers is 20 years old, or 21, maybe even 22, actually. But 21, <laughs> I think. So his body's not failing him. But to me, what I mean by this comparison is that he looks – like something's physically off. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't look as strong as he did last year. He doesn't look uh, as solid in his base, which is something that some broadcasters have said, some analysts have said watching him play, and they're totally right. Something looks off physically. It doesn't look mental. It doesn't look like he's having some, you know, decision-making issue with the basketball. He's not doing anything 
you know, dumb in terms of basketball IQ. It looks just like his body is off. I, I don't know what else to say. And he got absolutely bodied in the final few minutes by Hunter Dickinson against Michigan. Also, Michael Potter doesn't close games, which is something I've had a huge problem with, but I don't need to go on that rant right now again. <laughs> so it sounds like Nate Reavers might need a little bit of fixing from his body. Michael Potter might need a little bit of just fixing mentally from how the rotations are kind of happening. You know what else sometimes needs fixed though? Your car. Your car always needs some repairs here and there. And Ash, I want to tell you about a, a story that happened to me. I went to the went to the car dealership. They told me it was going to cost me a couple hundred dollars to replace two filters in my car. I looked it up on YouTube. It wasn't going to be that hard to do myself. I go to the brick and mortar store. They were going to charge me $70. So then I go to rockauto.com. I said, I'm not paying $70. I found both these filters in under five minutes using their unique and remarkably easy to navigate catalog. I found them for 20 bucks. It took me less than five minutes. Rockauto.com is the place to be, man. R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O, rock auto, rock auto, rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Asher, you got to give us that jingle one more time, man. R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O, rock auto, rock auto, rockauto.com. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's patented. That's patented Big Ten Ben stuff right there. I love it. I love it. That's beautiful stuff. Let me throw it back to you and let's talk about Iowa a little bit. All right, let's do it, man. Let me get back into this. So the issues, obviously, with Iowa were the defensive end of the floor. And I think in those, I would say, watching some of those losses over the past few weeks, that's still the issue, right? What changed on the defensive end or was it just – I mean, Rutgers and Michigan State aren't bad offensive teams. Michigan State hasn't been good on the end, but Rutgers certainly isn't a bad offensive team, uh, especially over the past few weeks. What changed in the February 10th game, February 13th game for those two wins defensively in your mind? Um, Iowa moved to more man defense. So the biggest issue, if you watch them, is that there's so many open looks from three when they're playing in a 2-3 zone. Uh, I, their rotations are just off. I don't know if it's communication. I, don't, I just don't get it, man. And that, every single game leading up to that was, Fran, you know, it seems like there's a lot of open three-point shooters. Yeah, we really need to fix that. Our 2-3 zone needs to get a little bit of work in. Well, no crap. And it happened every game, every single game. I mean, I did, a, I did an analysis like three weeks ago on all the guys who came into Iowa shooting poorly from three and left with like a career game hitting six of seven shots from three. I mean, it's literally almost every single team has a guy like that that goes off against Iowa. And a lot of it's the fact that their 2-3 zone just wasn't able to get it done. They weren't making the right rotations. And if a team just stays patient and passes the ball along the perimeter, they're going to get a wide open look at some point. So against Michigan State and Rutgers, they moved to more of a man defense and it's not the best approach for Iowa against incredibly athletic teams because Iowa is not the most athletic team. I would argue they're one of the least athletic teams um, in the country. That's not what makes them good. Now that I do think is very interesting though, going up against a Wisconsin team where I would also argue is maybe a very Iowa like team, not as athletic as a lot of other programs in the big 10 and across the nation, but it's been the man defense really. And the locking down on it, not allowing as many transition points and really attacking the rim um, from a rebounding perspective. When Iowa loses games, they're giving up a significant amount of boards on the offensive side of the you know ball. Uh, Joe Wieskamp has been phenomenal despite playing that two spot with CJ Frederick out at getting boards. Uh, Luke Garza is still getting his, even when he's not getting points. And Keegan Murray has been truly an unsung hero uh, from this season. A guy who I did not expect to get any minutes coming into this year. And he has just been 
phenomenal, man. I'm really excited to see his growth, but that's, that's really been it. It's uh, the man defense has been huge the last couple, couple games for Iowa. So he hasn't been terrible by any means. Right. But I don't think Jordan Bohannon has been exactly as good as I thought he would be this year. And obviously coming off of a, a devastating injury, it's not super surprising to see why he might start slow, but would you agree that this team's going to need him at his absolute best to make a real run? Yeah. I mean, you look at it two years ago and you could argue without Jordan Bohannon, Iowa doesn't make the NCAA tournament two years ago. That 18 to 19 year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were, there were four to six games that Jordan Bohannon just took over and was just draining threes left and right. And without him, I don't, I truly don't, maybe they do, but it, it, I don't know, man. It was, that was a tough team to get into anyways. I think Jordan Bohannon won them at least three games that's easily core. You can correlate exactly what a Jordan Bohannon did. And I would say two or three more that was because of Jordan Bohannon for Iowa to go deep. They need Jordan Bohannon to be cocky and hot from, you know, behind the perimeter. We need those, you know, dribble up the, the court, pop it up from 10 feet behind the, you know, the arc and drain it. That's what we need from Jordan Bohannon. And in the games where he has done well, Iowa has done well. And the games where he struggles more often than not, Iowa struggles as well. He's a guy Iowa needs to rely on to make those threes. He's a guy that can take the ball when things are going wrong and he can make a difference for Iowa. Now, Joe Wieskamp, thankfully, is stepping into that role. He's starting to become the guy we all wanted him to be two years ago. He's taking over for this team, so he's kind of lessening the impact and the need of Jordan Bohannon, but you're absolutely right. For Iowa to go far, for Iowa to win big-time games, they need Jordan Bohannon to hit at least three threes, in my opinion. Keegan Murray, you already brought him up. And it's hard not to bring him up given the impact he's had, right? It was Frederick out. He's been slotted into the starting lineup, good at both ends, better offensively than I think anybody thought he was going to be, mm-hmm. at least right now, right? There's, there's a bright future for the freshman, but as a freshman, right, coming in in his first year in Iowa City, to play like this, how big has it been? I mean, the, look, I mean, the fact that he's starting – He's starting on this squad as a true freshman. Now, granted, he had a prep year, so he had an extra year of growth and development, but it's production you didn't expect. Um, You did not expect a Keegan Murray to come in and be able to lead a team essentially uh, from a, a hustle standpoint. I mean, he just, he does all the little things, right. And he still, you know, fills up the box score as well, but he does all the little things, right. And I think Iowa needs a guy like that. Who's going to bring the energy consistently on both ends of the floor. Every single game. He plays as if he doesn't, he plays as if he's a walk-on. I mean, that's his mentality. He plays a lot like Nicholas Bayer, who a lot of people got very frustrated with because he's a guy who was all over the place and could drain threes when he needed to be um, that kind of a guy. So for me to see Keegan Murray this year, it's been huge for Iowa. Um, You look at the first game against Rutgers. uh, I think it was the second game against Minnesota. Keegan Murray was a huge part of Iowa winning those games because the starters were not able to get it done. They bring in the bench with Keegan Murray, with with Patrick McCaffrey, and those two guys together along with Joe Toussaint, they form an amazing trio that I think is not what we typically see from Iowa basketball. It's – it's more explosive. It's more athletic. It's more drive to the basket as opposed to finesse around the perimeter and, you know, drop threes occasionally. With this Iowa team, what's the thing that just pisses you off when it happens? What, what has been the, the thing watching this team that just drives you absolutely nuts? Rebounding, man. It is driving me freaking insane. Uh, there are times where, and I, I'm not, I don't, 
play on this team, right? I know things are different um, when you're actually on the course, so I can't judge their effort per se, but there are a lot of opportunities where I feel like Iowa gives up on the ball and they have an opportunity to get the ball and they just don't come down with it. And that to me is, is one of the most frustrating things about this team. And then the lack of defense, defensive focus, we've seen spurts of them playing really strong defensively. And then all of a sudden they just go quiet. Uh, and the couple of the, most of their losses, actually, they were winning at the end of the first half. They get up 10, 11 points. They can't extend the lead. They start playing lackadaisical defense. All of a sudden they're losing the game. Um, so that, that's my biggest concern. I would turn that back on you. What has been your biggest frustration from a Wisconsin standpoint? Uh, the fact that everything about what experience should be and mean just hasn't happened. Everything you'd think of when you think of the most experienced team in college basketball, whether it be consistency for 40 minutes, you know, avoiding just sloppy stretches of turnovers where you're really just shooting yourself in the foot. Rebounding is another one. We saw it against Michigan. Failing to know who's hot, who should have the ball in their hands, right, when it matters substitution patterns, things like this are just driving substitution patterns. I can't lump in actually with that experience thing. That's more a coaching staff thing, but the fact that they're playing with so much experience and yet doing so many inexperienced things. And I, I would, I would point back to the first two where it'd be playing consistently for 40 minutes, right? It's so classic inexperienced team to have a 20 minute stretch where you're amazing. And then have a five minute stretch where you just lose a college basketball game. Yep. Right. Where you just totally give it away. That's classic inexperience. And I've seen that maybe already three times this year. Great example was against Michigan. Don't have to look that far back. Even, even the first time against Michigan, not saying that we're going to win that game, but the end of that first half was self-destructive beyond belief. The last like six minutes of that first half. Foul discipline sometimes too. Things you wouldn't expect from Wisconsin basketball, Right perimeter defense, just these things that you should know how to do in year four that haven't been done. And then also just as an annoying thing as well, missing so many open threes in games where Wisconsin has to make them. Like, like there's been a few games over the past few weeks where they've gotten good looks and they've just missed. Like Illinois was wide open three after wide open three clank city. What can you do about that? It's just frustrating. Yeah, um, I, I'm very interested to talk a little bit more about three-point shooting and the perimeter defense, and specifically Brad Davison. Um, we're going to get into that here in a second on segment number three. I do want to talk a little bit about betonline.ag. Asher, you're a big guy. You know, you've been very interested in the betting markets before. You know that betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Betonline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television, and it has you covered for all the news scores and odds it is the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up today asher give the give the listeners a little welcome into what they can do if they go to betonline.ag today and sign up for a free account you drop in your money and you get a 50 percent welcome bonus so let's say i have 100 bucks i'm throwing in betonline.ag i know wisconsin's going to beat iowa on thursday night <laughs> and i'll defend why that's going to happen in segment three but Let's say, let's say I know Wisconsin's winning that game. I throw $100 in. I get $50 on top of that to also throw into a game of my choice at betonline.ag. If you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, 
no spaces. Locked on is the promo code, a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. That's right, man. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with your opinion on Wisconsin winning this game, but we're going to get to that. Uh, we're going give, to uh, give our predictions here in a second. The three-point shooting is interesting to me, though, because when I look at Wisconsin, I wanted to see if there's any trends from why they're losing. And in three of their four losses, they've shot over 23 three-pointers. And whew, let me look at this. So when Wisconsin shoots 23 three-pointers or less, they're nine and two. When they've shot 23 threes or more, they're six and five with two of those wins coming against Nebraska. So let's just scrap that. That actually doesn't count as a win. It's four and five for Wisconsin when they shoot more than 23 threes. Why is that? Because Wisconsin is one of the better three-point shooting teams in the nation overall. Is it just more of a, a comes in spurts type of thing? Like all of a sudden they just they shoot 60% and they shoot 20% and then it evens out to 40%. Why is that? Why is that that way? The stats are a little flawed. I want to say with the best, one of the better three-point teams in the nation, just because a lot of those games came early in the year. And okay. there were some games where Wisconsin was scorching molten lava hot that Louisville game at home yep. would really inflate that stat. A couple games where they shot a lot of threes and they weren't missing will kind of, impact that stat a little bit. So I wouldn't say that's a totally fair stat without context, right? Yep. They haven't been a good three-point shooting team in the last few months or not few months, maybe maybe a month and a half. Uh, but when they've played better Big Ten teams, they haven't knocked them down. And it's been different each time, right? The Illinois game was an example I used of them just missing open looks. Great shots would support all of them. But in terms of the number of threes, that matters because when they've been taking 25 to 28, and it's not a solid number, there's not one number, right? That, that is the tipping point, but I would say it's around that, that region of amount of threes. There's usually a few bad ones mixed in if they're taking that many. There usually aren't 25 looks that I would support them taking in a game. It's more around 20 that I've seen this year is kind of the magic number of there can be 20 good looks within the offense for this team. When do those bad ones come? They come with one pass threes. They come in transition, which has been some, we think we're in the NBA. We think we're in 2021 playing with Steph and Clay sometimes on the break. I mean, with the shots that Brad Trice will take in transition, I, I'm blown away sometimes. And sometimes they go in and I'm getting even more mad. But there have been some really bad transition threes taken. And I don't understand them at all, why, why they're being taken at all. First of all, this team against most teams they play is better when they slow it down. There's sometimes some games, some individuals where I like it when they push off a rebound. A Johnny Davis, right, is great in the open floor. It's fun to see him get out and run a little bit. But when you run and take a three, like there's nothing that makes me more mad as a Wisconsin basketball fan. So shot selection has been an issue there. The quick one pass off a, off a pop. I like Michael Potter taking, I like Nick Rivers taking those threes. It's just when they come off one pass, it usually doesn't go very well. Yeah, and that's interesting to me because Wisconsin is one of the slowest pace-to-play teams in the nation, whereas Iowa is one of the fastest pace-to-play teams in the nation. Who wins that matchup? In my opinion, in the past couple of years, we typically see it to be a lower-scoring game when Iowa plays Wisconsin. Wisconsin does do a good job of slowing Iowa down. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts. Does that hurt or help Wisconsin? Um I mean, for me, I think if Iowa can get into a, a high-scoring game, that definitely is going to help Iowa win that matchup against Wisconsin. I don't feel like Wisconsin can keep up with them. What do you think happens in this game? So the reason I, I put out on Twitter that I think Wisconsin's going to win this game, there are a few reasons. I think, number one, there's going to be a huge focus right off the bat. Something, something that Wisconsin's gotten away from in the last couple of weeks that they were really talking about like a month ago 
in the press conferences and stuff as a point of emphasis, and they've gotten away from a little bit. I think there's going to be a huge, huge emphasis early on paint touches. I really do. I think they're going to go right to Tyler Wall. I think they're going to go right to Tyler Wall in the post. I think Aleem's going to get some post touches, and then obviously Micah and Nate. Uh, hopefully Micah can bring some positivity offensively in the paint, which I think he will. I don't think Iowa's front line scares me at all defensively. Offensively, that's a different story. Uh, we know who they have. But defensively, they don't scare me on the interior at all, right? So I think Wisconsin makes a huge effort to go inside early. That's the conversation right now. I think Wisconsin makes a huge effort to slow the game down. And there's times this year where I've said, speed it up a little bit. This is a time where Wisconsin needs to go back to their bread and butter, slow the game down, which I think they will. Paint touches off the bat, which I think they will do. And play well on the glass, well enough to win. Hit enough open threes to win. But because I think this game will be played at Wisconsin's pace, I think they're going to dictate this thing pace-wise. I think they're going to set that tone really early. I think that they are going to play a better 40 minutes. I think they're going to get a lead, right, at some point in that first half and understand that this can't happen again, right? They're coming fresh off. And there's that whole stat about win, a win-loss, win-loss. Scott hasn't lost two games in a row all year, right? I don't know if that means a ton. I think, I think matchups do matter in that stat in terms of who they've played with the wins and the losses. But I think there's something to be said about that. And if the experience shows up as real experience, right, that's something that experience brings. You don't want to make the same mistakes twice as a fourth-year player. In some cases, your fifth year with the program. And I think that once Wisconsin builds the lead with the way I said, which is something they can do to Iowa. They can really suffocate this team uh, by, by slowing the pace down and by forcing them to play in the post on defense. I think Iowa also has a chance to get in a little foul trouble with Garza, with Nunji, if Wisconsin goes to that strategy. And this team without C.J. Frederick, I don't love their bench when you take Frederick away and Keegan Murray starting. If Frederick plays, that's a bit of a different story. But say Garza picks up two quick ones, this game's going to change immensely, right? And I think Wisconsin will target him on the defensive end. Not that he's a terrible defender. I don't think he is. But with just a bunch of touches inside, that just ramps up the chance for a couple cheap fouls, which Michael Potter's had a problem with, too, on the other end. So we'll see if they go right back at him, which I think they will, right? But I think this game is played at Wisconsin's pace. The Badgers take care of the ball, and there's no wild lapses because this team is it's fresh in their minds. What just happened at Michigan with those lapses in the second half, I don't think that'll happen again. And I think it's set up well at home where Wisconsin's been fantastic even this year, pretty fantastic for them to win. Yeah, interesting. I, I definitely don't agree with uh, Wisconsin winning, but we'll get to that as we typically never agree on this show. We've done probably, what, four or five crossovers, and I don't think we've ever agreed on who's going to win the game. So one of us is always wrong. Did I pick Iowa get in the football game? Why I don't not? think you did. I think you picked Wisconsin, man. You're so biased of me. There's I, no, there's no basis for that at all. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's how you and I roll, man. I, I'm also incredibly biased as well. You talk about the fact that Wisconsin hasn't won um, or hasn't lost two games consecutively, but they have lost five of their last. It looks like eleven games, right? Five of the last eleven. But those four, of those five losses were against ranked teams. The only one that wasn't was Penn State, and all of their wins were against teams that are not ranked. Uh, with the best one probably being Rutgers, I think at this point, Rutgers and Wisconsin, in my opinion, play a, a similarly slow place pace of a play. Um, you talk about attacking. Did you want to say something there? I was just gonna say, I, and I wouldn't even give that that win a ton of credit either, because that was before Rutgers was Rutgers again. Yeah, that was when Rutgers was really that, struggling. That is when you play these teams and. That was not like playing Rutgers today. Very, very so. true. Rutgers has really turned it on as of late. Um, 
I don't disagree, right? I don't disagree with if you want to beat this team, you want to slow it down. If you want to beat Iowa, you slow it down, you attack the rim, you hopefully get Luka into foul trouble. Where I do, and also the bench, when you're losing CJ Frederick, you obviously have to shorten your bench up a little bit. However, where I do differ with you on is Jack Nungy has been really tremendous down low. And when Luka Garza has gotten in foul trouble, which I would argue that Big Ten refereeing this entire year for all teams has been pretty atrocious across the board so we'll see what happens in that game jack nungy has done a really great job though of playing defensively down low so i think that'll be a really interesting matchup to see if wisconsin does attack there and what happens because a lot of teams haven't done that they take what iowa gives them which is the open three-point look almost every single game almost every possession not when the wisconsin wins that happens Sorry yep, so, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fair. I think I think that'll be interesting to see, though, if they do stick to that game plan. Uh, for me, I think it comes down to whether or not Iowa can stop Wisconsin. And I do believe when you look at what Iowa has done the last couple of weeks to be better defensively, it's playing more man defense, putting in your your bench players. You talk about your, the bench doesn't scare you um, from an offensive perspective. A hundred percent agree. Iowa's bench is not going to be explosive like their their starters are but defensively that is their best starters Iowa was literally doing line changes in games um in late in games to get defensive I, guys wasn't that crazy I love by the way. I, I tweeted about that I freaking love that and it's something I've never understood about Greg Gard he refuses it's my it's my one thing I like Greg Gard I don't think people realize that listen to a lot of time Badgers because I actually really like him I think he's a really good basketball coach overall this one the one issues I've always had with him is subs and Fran literally <laughs> You know, I, I don't I don't know how to put it, but just like did the epitome of the un-Greg Guard move and yeah. went the full hockey line change at the end of the game for offense defense. And I've been clamoring, asking why does Greg Guard never want to go offense defense ever, right? With Potter and Reavers or with uh whether it be I don't know who's coming off the bat. Even Trevor Anderson's better offensively than Brad has been this year, in my opinion, overall yeah. for sure. I'd rather have him on the floor for an offensive possession. So yeah, why, why, why not get a little creative at the end of a game? Like every NBA team has always done that. I don't know why it hasn't really expanded to the college level much, but I love that Fran does it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's out of necessity. Uh, when, you, when you evaluate each of those players on a defensive perspective, um, the top five are not the starters, right? I mean, CJ Frederick is a solid on-ball defender. I think Luca Garz, as you said, is as good as you can be given his athletic limitations. Um, he's a very intelligent defender, but maybe not – He's not going to be a great defender. He'll never be average to above average. Joe Wieskamp, when he wants to be, uh, can be to an extent. But the backups are definitely the best best defenders, and I think that's very interesting. So I, I think Iowa's going to win this game, though. I think going to Wisconsin, um, if Wisconsin gets hot from three, they're going to be doing what you talk the line change, just literally put in their backups, though, and say play defense and then force Wisconsin to go down low, and then hopefully you can make a few shots driving the basket. Um, Iowa – if C.J. Frederick plays, I don't see a reason why Iowa could lose this game. C.J. Frederick is only playing when he's healthy. He's had a bit of time off to recover. Um, and if he's back, I expect him to get a little bit hotter, hit a couple threes. And as you said, Jordan Bohannon, there are some games where you can just look at, you can mark it on the calendar and say, Big Dick Bohannon's here, and he's going to start hitting some shots. And I think I think that's what's going to happen in this game. I, I personally think it'll be a close game. It's going to be an ugly game. But I do think it's going to come down to a couple Jordan Bohannon threes. I'm worried about Jabo going off. I will say that. Yeah. Because it looks a little personal on Twitter already. Right? He's already yeah. why would you talk crap to, like first of all, like what you're what the Wisconsin writers are talking crap about is so dumb. And then also, that is the one guy I would not talk crap to on Iowa's team. 
Because he'll be like, oh, okay, really? Let me just drain six threes, and I'll just start staring at you while I do them. Like, like Iowa State riding on his shoe and just dropping on the court. I mean, that's what Bohannon does, man. That's why you got to love him sometimes. You know, he, he's streaky. He's fun. He's exciting. And Wisconsin didn't even offer him, so I don't know what the big whoop is. This isn't like Tyler. Like, I get why – I've never been mad at Tyler Hero ever, right? But I get like why some Wisconsin fans would have a problem with Tyler Hero. Like, I, I get that. I mean, yeah. I don't agree, but I understand where they're coming from. But like this, is, we didn't even offer the kid. Yeah, and he, he wanted us. We didn't want him. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand why we're bad. So yeah. yeah, like is that like is that like a fun thing to make fun of someone who wanted the school, but like his brother? I don't know. So weird. But anyways, Asher, it's been a blast as always. I hope you're wrong with your prediction, and I hope I'm assuming you think uh, you hope that I'm wrong as well, Asher. Your fans listening to you on Locked On Badgers, uh, Hawkeye fans listen to Andrew Wade on Locked On Hawkeyes. That is me. Awesome show as always, Asher. Anything you want to say to wrap up the show, man? As always on Wisconsin, the classic wrap up, and I'm excited to see the Badgers put together a full 40 minutes for the first time, maybe in like the last two months. Because I think it could happen on Thursday. I love it. Well, you can edit that out, and I'm going to say go Hawks to finish my show. So go Hawks, everyone.